Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Watermark OC Church Sunday Message. Watermark is a generational community that is crazy passionate about starting a conversation about God, your relationships, and authentic love. If you're interested in getting more information, please click the link in the show notes for next steps. Thanks again for listening. It's our hope and prayer that this message would transform your life. All right. Happy Mother's Day again to all the moms. Thanks for coming here this morning. We're glad to have you guys here. This is a special morning here at Watermark Church. We have a little bit of a family conversation up here. Usually there's one of us guys up here, and now we got the, the most amazing part of our lives, our better halves here, to talk about what it means to, be do, to do and be church's family. And uh, one of the things we want to start off with, as we do, is just introduce some folks here. This is, you know, Ben, who's my son-in-law. This is a family conversation, Pastor Ben, but also our spouses here. This is my wife, Kathleen, if you don't know her. She's up here, and she's a great mom. And that's my daughter, Riley, and she's a great mom. We have three children, three daughters. She has seven children. She's multiplied it, just taking it to a whole other level, Ben and Riley, so... We're excited here, and uh, one of the things that we do, just to start off at Mother's Day, kind of a tradition that we share, we want to share our family with you here this morning, is we always have a special time to affirm moms in our lives. And uh, my mom is not up at the table here, but a shout out to her because she comes to church here, and I wouldn't be here without her, so, and uh, she's a huge part of this, this is a generational conversation, she is an incredible prayer warrior, that's why I want to affirm her for intercession for our family, because a lot of what we're sharing here is because she has prayed and modeled and served us so that we can be better for the next generation. So I appreciate her so much. And all the moms that pray for their families, your, your prayers make a difference. You're going to see here this morning as we talk about that. But one of the things we do is we affirm. And so we're going to do a little modeling for you here today. Hopefully you're getting a chance to be with your mom or maybe call your mom or give your mom a card and tell her how special she is. We just want to do that here this morning. So Kathleen, I get to go first here. Uh, One of the things that I appreciate about you, there are many, but the thing that I think about you is I think about this idea of an atmosphere changer. You know, in in our homes, we have thermometers and we have thermostats. Thermometers tell us what temperature the room is, right? I'm kind of a thermometer guy. I have this gift of being able to understand where people's feelings are and really have mercy for those feelings. I'm like a thermometer But then we have these things that we turn that actually change the temperature in the room. That's this woman. She's a thermostat. When she walks in the room, she lights up and the room lights up. It's joy. It's thankfulness. It's fun and laughter. We have so much fun laughing. She she brings me alive. And so I appreciate you and the kids and the grandkids. Here's a little bit about the thermostat, Kathleen. Her grandmother name is Gramushka. See, she picked a designer name for herself. I don't want to just be Grandma. I want to be Gramushka. And so all of her children come and call her Gramushka and bless her because she's an atmosphere changer. We love you for that and appreciate you that for that, Kathleen. Yeah, so what you're going to see a lot this morning is uh, blessing. Uh, it's another word for affirmation. It means a lot more than that. But I, I just got to start mine by blessing these two because they showed me a home even when we were still dating about 11 12 years ago, uh, that was filled with affirmation around birthdays and other holidays. And it, it, it actually comes from the Bible, of course. It's one of my favorite Proverbs. It says that the tongue holds the power of life and death. If you've ever received a biting word or a critiquing word, 
Uh, you've ever received a word that just came out of left field and just was filled with love and affirmation and praise, you know the truth of that proverb, right? And so I want to thank these guys right out the gates for modeling that to us at, at a, even an early dating phase. And yeah, I want to bless you, my darling, sweet baby wife here. <laughs> First and foremost, a lot of women are working today, a lot of moms are working today, and these two, um, your number one thing is to be on stage with a microphone, right? That's, that's your passion point. Yeah, so they love that. No, this is a huge stretch thing for them, and yet they're here, and I thank you guys both for that, and I want to thank you, right? A lot of people ask, one of the biggest questions that comes through is, how do you guys do it? I, I'm just here a little bit more because I work here, and I get to you know, be on stage, and so I'm the target of that question. How do you do it? And I just wish I could pull you right in and say, this is how. This is how we do it. I would be nothing without you by my side, and in every single area where I fall short, where I'm weak, you cover that gap with your compassion. Uh, just endless compassion, your patience, your empathy. Uh, those are the things that I need when a kid's melting down, and I want to melt down with them. And when I become another two-year-old, you come in and you have such empathy and grace, getting down on one knee, looking to the kids in the eye, and just encouraging them and, and, and staying level-headed. So I just I love you for that. I thank you for that, and I just want to affirm you for that. Yeah. Right. Way, way to go, Ben. See, he's doing pretty good, isn't he? I'm learning from him. <laughs> Uh, we're in this series uh, in the book of Acts, and we've been talking about church as a family. That's kind of why we're up here as a family talking about it. And uh, this morning, we want to continue forward in that, that uh, message and talk a little bit about that before we have some conversation up here. But the book of Acts is this beautiful family photo album of God's church. And when God wanted to affirm and bless his people, he didn't create a building. Buildings are awesome. This is great. He didn't create a program or event, not that there's anything wrong with them, but what he created was a family. He created a family. A church is a family. Scripturally, it's not a building or event. It's not something that we go to. It's something that we are and we become. Church is a family. And the book of Acts portrays the first family born out of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell on God's people and a, and a family was born. And some of the things that we understand about family, the natural families that you come from, are also equal in the spiritual realm. That's a part of our spiritual heritage and our spiritual growth. Because as we read about church's family in the Bible, we understand that we're born into it. Just like you're born into a natural family, you have a natural birthday. We also have a spiritual birthday. That spiritual birthday happens when we say yes to Jesus. When we accept God's greatest gift, his son, who came lived a perfect life. The scripture says he died a perfect death because he died in our place. He died for our brokenness, our shame, our guilt, our sins, our fallenness, in order to give us forgiveness and freedom and the gift of eternal life. And when we accept that personally and we say, yes, Jesus, I believe that you are my savior, you are my king, all of a sudden a spiritual birth occurs. The Holy Spirit comes into our life and we are born again. John chapter 3, Jesus says, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You will not enter God's family unless you are born again. Natural birth, spiritual birth. We're born into it. We also belong to it. Because when you came out in the hospital, guess what? You didn't come out and just start running as fast as you can as soon as you could. You went somewhere. Where did you go? You went home with your moms and dads. You were born into a family. You belong to it. Maybe you have brothers and sisters, right? You belong to family. Family is where you belong. It's where you're known, where your name is given, where you're understood, where your gifts are flourishing and they come up and they're affirmed, where you're nurtured, you're cared for, the place where you belong. And you have brothers and sisters many times in a family. We have brothers and sisters in the family of God. 
uh, Paul writes to the church in Rome, Romans 12, 5, and says, you guys, though many are one, you're one just like a body has many parts and it is organically one. So the church has many parts and yet you're one. And because of that oneness, you belong to each other. The family needs each one of us, needs your gifts, needs your experience, needs your love, needs your compassion as we serve and love one another. You belong to each other. And finally, we become through family. That's what we're going to focus on today and next week. How do you become through family? Because there's a purpose when you're brought home, moms and dads, there's a purpose. They want to grow you up to become mature adults, right? Well, it's the same in a spiritual family. God gives spiritual parents to the church in order to grow God's people up so they can go from spiritual infancy to adulthood, right, and grow through adolescence and all of a sudden become mature spiritual adults and do that for others, become spiritual parents for others. Here's the Apostle Paul. He's one of the first spiritual parents of the church. He's writing to a church that he founded in the place in Galatia. And he says, he uses family parent language. He says, oh, my dear children, he's talking about the church. I feel as if I'm going through labor pains again. He's using birthing and growing up language. And, and, to, and they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. See, the goal of a spiritual family is mature and grow you so you grow up to the fullness and the stature of Christ. You become like Jesus. And God gives you spiritual parents in order to help you. Sometimes we're fortunate that our natural parents are our spiritual parents as well. Right? But sometimes our spiritual parents aren't, aren't a part of our natural family. Kathleen was born into a family. And her natural parents did not follow Christ. And she was then born into the church later, and she had spiritual parents that came into her life and nurtured her and developed her and grew her up in the Lord. So sometimes they're different, sometimes they're the same. And that's really the hope of a church family. Maybe some of you here this morning, and Mother's Day is kind of a painful thing for you. Maybe you didn't have a great relationship with your mom. It was difficult, so today might be difficult. Maybe you lost your mom. Maybe things are hard in your family of origin. There's wounds and pains. That's why God brings you a spiritual family. I've seen so many women and men healed of their family of origin wounds, abandonment, you know, abuse, pain, difficult things, addiction that was passed down. They've been healed because they got involved with a spiritual family. And they were brought up and nurtured by men and women that became their spiritual parents. And healing occurred. That's the hope of the church. That's why you want to be a part of a spiritual family. It's here to encourage and help you become and grow up to become like Jesus and heal the wounds of your past. And so that's the great hope. God gives us both natural parents and spiritual parents. Family is the place that we grow up. The book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47, is the classic picture, the birth picture of the early church. And you see all this spiritual parenting happening. Let me read this to you. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles, the spiritual parents, teaching and, and to the fellowship, meeting together with brothers and sisters, to the breaking of bread and prayer. They had family meals together, right? They had a family table. They walked together. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the spiritual parents. All the believers, all the families were together and, and had everything in common. They shared, just like in a natural family we share, we share in a spiritual family. They sold property and possessions and gave to anyone who had need. 
Every day they continue to meet together, not just in the church building, the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They did this at the church. They did this in the home. Both places, they were a spiritual family, right? They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Spiritual parents are God's gift to the church to help us grow up and form into the image of Christ. That's Watermark's vision. It's right there on the wall. It comes right out of that Acts 2 passage. As the elders gathered together and prayed, God gave us different words, but it came out of these spiritual principles. We at Watermark want to be a family. We want to build a generational community, a family from one generation to the next that, that flourishes in God conversations and the authentic love of Christ. That's the Acts 2 community. They flourished through these God conversations and the authentic love that they were sharing and growing in. Spiritual parents in that family and in this family, this church family, make a huge difference. Moms, you make a huge difference. Dads, spiritual dads, you make a huge difference. Young adult ministries, there are spiritual parents parenting our young adults that are making a huge difference. There are spiritual parents right now in the classrooms, Melissa, making a difference in the lives of your children. In youth ministry, every part of the church, we have spiritual parents that are nurturing and growing the family. It all works together to grow up the church. It's powerful, it's impactful. And we want to have a God conversation here around the family table to talk to Kathleen and Riley on Mother's Day. Because Kathleen and Riley are not just natural parents, they're spiritual parents. We want to talk about how God has used them and how the church has partnered with them because we want to partner together as a church family for the next generation. And so we want to talk about that. This is what it says in Psalm 145.4. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. It's the job of every family, a spiritual family, spiritual parents, to tell the next generation how awesome and great God is, to show and tell them. We want to talk about that here this morning. So Kathleen and Riley, I'm going to let you guys have the mic here now. We've got a question for you that you can share with the Watermark family here. How is the church partnered with you in passing your faith as spiritual parents, not just moms, on to your children? The church has been a great support to me in teaching my children to follow the Lord. As a young mom, you can feel empty and exhausted with all the demands of little ones. The church became a place that we could go to on Sundays and fill up with great teaching and encouragement. Is that better? Also, there was a great support for my marriage. We were involved in small groups with other couples that were going through similar challenges and struggles as we were. And it was such a blessing not to have to go through it alone. Through church, we developed some great relationships with a number of couples who became our closest friends. We actually bought our house where we still live now 30 years later, later just to become next-door neighbors with our dear friends, the Devons, who have become our friends family for life. Andrea Devon became a godsend to me because I was raised as a latchkey kid in a single-parent home. So I was basically left to raise myself. So when it came to parenting my own children, I did not have much role modeling to guide me. And that's where Andrea came in. We did life together. Our children were similar ages, so I got to watch and learn from her as we loved and cared for our children in the day-to-day activities, along with our extended small group. We were so blessed to have a church body partner with us to raise our children in the faith. 
And in saying that as well, being that it's Mother's Day, I cannot go without mentioning my mom, Diane, who in her older years had the time and the great pleasure of being an incredible grandmother to our girls. I love you, Dee Dee. We all speak of you often with such fond memories. We miss you, and be assured your legacy lives on. And to my wonderful in-laws, Becky Sr. and George Ann, thank you for not letting your fear of Becky getting married so young keep you from giving... Keep you from giving us your blessing. You have loved me and truly partnered with me in raising our three beautiful girls and play such a huge part in who they are today. And for that, I am forever grateful. I love you. Mm, beautiful words. Thank you so much. And I know you've, you've passed that on to Riley. Yeah. And Riley's kind of playing that out too. Can I say one thing about Riley? <laughs> Because I want to affirm Riley um, as a mom, and the greatest affirmation I can give you, and I tell my friends this all the time, is I wish you would have been my mom. <laughs> I, mean, I mean that with all my heart. Ben, I don't want you as a dad. I just don't want to be a friend. Hard pass. Hard pass. <laughs> but I was thinking about it this morning that, you know, the parenting roles switch as we get older. So you're actually going to be my mom. <laughs> you may think you've already, we've already switched that role. But, and I may be one of your most difficult children to raise. <laughs> anyway, I love you. I love you're you a fabulous too. mom. Thank you, mom. Well, I'm so blessed by this mother. And, um, yeah, it's amazing what my mom came from. And just my parents, how they've set a different um, different mold for their own family and how my mom mothered me and loved me um, and she didn't always experience that as a child so I'm so grateful for all that you have done for me and my sisters Um, and yeah I just concur what my mom said motherhood has felt like a dry season at times for me and often I have felt like a it's been a fight to commune with God and there was a series a few months ago called House Church, and it encouraged Ben and I um, to start regularly reading the Bible with our kids. And that sounds simple, but it's been revolutionary for our family. Um, we've been doing about two chapters a night, uh, and we've started with the Old Testament. And there's actually a verse in Deuteronomy that spoke to me uh, about generational faith, and I wanted to read that for you today. It's Deuteronomy six twenty through 25. In the future, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and laws the Lord our God has commanded you, tell him, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders, great and terrible, on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land he promised, an oath to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive, as is the case today. And if we are careful to obey all this law before the Lord our God, as he has commanded us, that will be our righteousness. And to me, generational faith is our kids watching grandparents and great-grandparents actively loving and fearing the Lord. It's my grandmother, grandmother and grandfather who meet us every Sunday morning here. <laughs> and, uh... You're doing great, Ben. You're doing so good. You're an all-star. 
It's your day. You can cry if you want to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My mom and I like to cry. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Um, yes. <laughs> it's my grandmother and grandfather who meet us here every Sunday morning and help us get into church. It's my parents praying over meals and speaking truth into my children's life. But it's also reading about generations of faith before us in the Old and New Testament, just like the Israelites. We are to tell the generations what God has done and also need to tell stories of what the Lord has done for our family. About two weeks ago, our daughter, our sixth child, um, was hospitalized for dehydration. She hadn't um, drinking anything in six days, and it was a really scary time for our family. The doctors didn't know what was going on and um, couldn't figure out why she wouldn't drink. And we had a friend come and pray for her and lay hands on her, and the next morning she woke up and drank an entire bottle. And we cannot say that that isn't God. So these are the stories that we tell to our children over and over again, the goodness that God has done for our family and how he has provided for us. And that is our call, just like the Israelites. Amen. Thank you, Riley. Great words. Uh, you can live there, actually, Bucky. I'm going to jump yeah. right in there off of uh, Deuteronomy 6 as well. And I just, as, as we're talking this morning, you guys, about becoming, you heard the flow, the order of things, that we belong and then we become. We're formed. How are we formed into the spiritual family of faith? And one of the big ideas that, that I love, what you said there, right, that's, that comes right from that passage, Deuteronomy 6, is that we tell the story. Tell the story, you guys. In your own homes, with your biological kids, or maybe you don't have kids yet and you've got a spiritual kid that you can mentor that's adolescent or a teenager or even a young adult, tell the story of what God's done throughout the ages. Tell the story of what God's done in your life. That's from personal experience. People can debate the Bible. They can debate, you know, science or research or facts, but they can't debate your story. So you've got to speak from that. And that's what the word, in case you were wondering, a uh, couple, two questions to answer. In case you were wondering, what does generational faith mean? You're still trying to wrestle around that. It means the handing down of faith. As we talk this morning about spiritual parenting, we talk about becoming, what we want you to hear loud and clear is that your first job as parents is not to produce uh, productive kids, successful kids, or the most beautiful and smart kids. That's not your job. Your job first and foremost is to pass the baton of faith as best you can under God's grace through the generations. That's what that word generational means. It's also the answer to the question, Ben and Riley, you guys are nuts. Why have so many kids? Why even have so many kids? It's a really fair question. Trust me, I get it. And the answer is on the screen. Deuteronomy 6. We have a, a statement just like this one that, that, that honors and, and, and kind of governs our household. And that statement is kind of a, di- a directional value for our family. And we want, we know that we're put on this earth, first and foremost, even above church work, sorry, but even above church work, to help produce sharp arrows, i.e. our kids, who are sent into the world to join God in the work of redeeming it. That is our whole purpose for being put on this planet. And you, as spiritual parents, have the same mandate to raise kids who know Jesus and want to walk passionately in his ways. That's that, that end-all, be-all. That's above all else. That's what becoming looks like. That's what generational really means. And I just want to say to you, if you're, if you're new to church or you're kind of deconstructing your faith, or maybe you don't know where you stand with God today, think about that question. We want you to wrestle with that question. What's the story that you tell your kids when they ask? Or you tell your, your mentees, the, 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 the spiritual kids that you have, or people, young kids from your family or in your neighborhood that look up to you. What's the story you tell them? 
Is that story rooted in something that's, that's true and historical and, and transcendent across time and into eternity? That's the question we all have to wrestle with when kids come alongside us and they ask those pesky little questions like in their own way, what's the meaning of life, dad? And what happens when we die? Yeah, they ask some form of that. They do, they really do. And are we prepared to pass the story on to them? And that happens most often in the platform of conversations. And that's our next value of becoming. What does becoming look like? It means that we have frank talk around the biggest questions of our day. And you can see here, this also comes from Deuteronomy 6. It says, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your kids. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're in the car, when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up in the morning. Quick context of what's happening in this passage. This, this, this repetition, this reminder, this warning, which is famously known in the Jewish world as the Shema. Shema is just a, a Hebrew word for here. It means a lot more than that. I'm going to get back to that in a second. But you've got to understand how real this is for us today. Just like Andy said earlier, nothing really changes. There's nothing new under the sun. These, these kids, these spiritual kids that we get to look at in the Bible, Israel, they were a rebellious, hopeless lot. They were pathetic. They screwed up so many times. They fell on their face over and over over and over again, just like you and me, and just like our spiritual and biological kids, no? It's the same battle that continues today. That's why the leaders of the church, Moses, Joshua, the church fathers, kept saying, here, 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 listen, 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 and they repeated the same story over and over again. If you're new to church and you're reading that and it says law, commands, you're thinking, oh man, that, what's up with all the confines? It was just a better way of living. God knew they were going to go into an area where there's going to be influences and in other cultures that would destroy them, that would ruin them if they weren't careful. So God's way, though many times we're led to believe is this legalistic thing, it was actually a beautiful picture for how to live and how to care for one another and how to relate to one another. That's the picture we're reading into right here. And if you have kids and you wonder, man, how many times do I have to say it? Remember Shema. The word Shema means here, but it doesn't just mean here. It means Respond. Hear, O Israel. Respond, O Israel. And there's a third meaning. This is why we love Hebrew. It has like many churns of the diamond and it has a, has a new meaning each time. The third meaning of the word is obey. Anyone in here have obedience problems in the home? Discipline problems? Anyone? Okay, it's me and two other households. I want to talk to you after because I'd like to know what you're doing so I can take notes, okay? I'm willing to submit to the best idea. I can win, all right? What does it mean? It means that the the secret for discipline, the secret for obedience is right here in this passage. Lay alongside them the truth of scripture, the truth of the law. We had an old covenant of the Old Testament, the first, you know, several books of the Bible. And then we have the New Testament starting with the gospels. Jesus comes in. We have this new covenant, this, this other picture of what it looks like to follow Jesus. Lay that alongside their lives. And I am wondering, what is it that you have done, Riley and Kathleen, in your homes and talking about God, having these tough questions and these tough God conversations. Um, from, time, from the time our children were little, we always read Bible stories to, her, to them and prayed for them at night before bed and talked about how God showed up in their day around the dinner table. Because we had three girls, marriage was a very popular subject. And we always tried to model for them what a committed, authentic relationship looked like and even to ask each other for forgiveness when we would fall short in our relationship. 
And also when we would discipline them, there was always a conversation about wisdom and we tried to give them the why from scripture and then always affirmed God's love and grace for them after the discipline. And it was so cute yesterday. We went over to Riley and Ben's um, to do a run through of this with seven children. So you can imagine that. Here are my notes and here are Riley's. Wait, wait, can you see these? Sweet Riley, look. <laughs> so we're trying, we're doing a run through, and um, Levi pinched Sheppy on the chin, and she, all of a sudden we hear Sheppy screaming, blood curdling scream. That's our seven year old and our four year old. Ah, so the seven year old pinched the four year old. So anyway, um, Riley goes and sees what happens, and you know the same, just like Ben says, she looks eye to eye. Levi, that's wrong. Takes him, puts in his timeout, and does all that, and then, and then. Uh, after the timeout, he came, um, had to come and apologize to Sheppy. And so he said he was sorry. And Sheppy goes, I forgive you, but it still hurts. <laughs> and just tears are going down his face. And I, isn't that a beautiful picture, though? We are called to forgive, but we're it, it, amidst the pain. So I just thought that was so sweet. Um, and then as our girls grew up, we tried to focus on certain non-negotiables from Scripture like drug and alcohol abuse, sexual purity, and integrity. And in other, all, all other areas, we tried to give them freedom to fail, grow, and learn from their decisions. For example, in the area of school and sports, we encouraged effort and excellence in character, but we tried not to put performance pressure on them as far as their grades or athletic accomplishments. We wouldn't rescue them by doing their homework, or bringing their forgotten items from home to school. We let the natural consequences be their teacher. As Riley made the transition into a secular high school, many of her Christian friends started experimenting with all our non-negotiables. Riley was very troubled and felt alone in her beliefs. Then Riley found one friend that was walking with the same values, except she happened to be Mormon. Riley became very close to Jamie and her family throughout high school. When Riley was a freshman in college, Jamie's older brother, Landon, took a liking to Riley and wanted to begin a courtship. At first, Becky and I were seized with fear and felt like we should forbid Riley to continue with this relationship. But as we prayed, we realized this was an opportunity to have God conversations at a whole deeper level and to teach our daughter the difference between religion and relationship. From the beginning, we told Riley the dangers of being unequally yoked and advised her not to date Landon. But Riley and Landon grew closer, and so we jumped all in. Bucky joined Riley in trying to convert Landon to Christ— Landon and his... Shotgun and a Bible, either one. Whichever one, try the Bible first, the shotgun second, right? Landon and his family responded by sending the Mormon missionaries to our house to convert us. Okay. This is another off script for me because I just remember this story. It's so funny. So these missionaries came to our house and uh, they asked permission if they could come. And so they came to have lunch with us. And so they came in in their white shirts and, you know, their uniform. And they had their name tags on. And I go, oh, my gosh. And the one goes, hi, I'm Elder whatever. And he goes, and I'm Elder. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what are the chances? You guys have the same first name. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I was a little clueless. But anyway. (laughs) 
A couple more minutes and they would have had her. <laughs> right in the palm of our hands. Oh, goodness. This journey was not easy. But in the end, God answered our prayers and that Riley's faith in God became stronger and she realized that her love for Christ was greater than her feelings for Landon. After breaking up with him, she said that she would never date someone that wasn't a Christian again. The very next suitor that came into her life was, ta-da! Hey, this guy. Ben Appleby. <laughs> celebrated our 11 years, so I guess it's working. <laughs> um, yeah, I just want to say, reflecting back at that time in my life, I want to um, just honor my parents because there was never a... Um, question that I couldn't ask in our home. They were always safe. My dad, even though he was a pastor, I felt like I could question anything about the Bible and push back and uh, really wrestle through it with him. Um, And during that time is actually when I owned my faith as my own because I had to start asking, why do we believe this? Um, I'd always grown up Ask your mother. Ask your mother. (laughs) No, he would wrestle through it with me. Um, but yeah, it was, it was the time in my life where I really started to own my faith. So pretty cool. And, um, we have tried to take that same principle and even though our children are young, um, and apply it to our young children by not spoon feeding them, um, Christianity, but trying to wrestle through and walk through it with them. So our way of doing that has been reading the adult version of the Bible with them. And the old Testament's pretty gnarly. Like there's definitely been times where I've wanted to censor some stuff, but, um, yeah. And, letting them ask questions, and hopefully uh, creating a sticky faith that will continue with them as they get older. And personally, I have also been growing in my own God conversations. Um, Just in the last two months, I've been reawakened to the fact that the Holy Spirit lives in me, and what a powerful thing that is. Um, I want to be able to describe my relationship with God as intimate and actually hear his voice. Uh, I have been personally practicing this and um, also been trying to do it with our children. Each night after we do our Bible reading, we've been encouraging them to have two to three minutes of silence, which is rarely actually silent, but we're trying, um, and encouraging them that they can hear from the Lord and they can hear his voice um, and create an intimate relationship with him as well. It's been so cool to watch as well. That was Riley's call. She said, we're starting this new habit this week, Ben. Let's read the Bible together as a family. And I just want to say really quickly, I want to make sure you're hearing properly, because this is some kind of a beautiful thing happening up here on the stage. And maybe to a lot of us, if you deal with inadequacy or you ever have felt, um, you know, insufficient, uh, even the littlest bit, you got to hear something so critical about what they they both just shared, because they shared grace. And so if you're thinking, oh, man, these guys are reading their Bible to their kids, guess what? It's not every night, and it doesn't look pretty, and there's still screaming matches, and they were still falling on our face. Like Kathleen said, there was failure, and there was setbacks. So just, I, I want to make sure you, you know that and you hear that. Uh, a lot of times in our world, you think the, the pastors are, and the pastor's wives, by extension, are just you know, completely impervious to failure or messing up, and, and, and that couldn't be further from the truth. We still mess it up every day. And, and there's one thing I want to highlight before we move to the last part of becoming from what they said. And, and you should write this down. Get your phone out if you don't have paper notes. You've got to write this down. It's so critical. The, the difference that I see in what you said, Mom, and what we're now trying to do by, by, the, by ensuring the second or third generation is to process with not to process for. 
You process with your kids through the tough questions and issues of life, not for. Our, our temptation, our inclination is going to be to tie this little thing up in a nice bow and, and wrap it up and say, it's clean, it's neat. But did you hear what Riley said? She said there was no question that was too messy uh, to bring before them. There was no, no issue uh, of pushback against the Bible that was, that was off limits. And, you know, this even is proved by science. You look at these guys who study the brain. You ever found this to be true? You ever, you ever been going to a new place for directions and you use your phone for step-by-step directions? Good luck trying to get back there again without your phone. You have no, your mind has no idea where it went because it was completely on autopilot mode watching the steps. If you had looked at the map and said, okay, I'm going to put this away and I'm going to go from memory, you'll never forget how to get there and where you went. It's the same thing with discipline. It's the same thing with giving your, your, telling a story, giving spiritual truths to the next generation. It's the, it's the same thing we're talking about now in God conversations. If you settle it for them and you give them the answer and you tie it up nice in a bow, will they be owning their faith, like Riley said? It's a little bit more tenuous. It's a little bit more tough to tell. But if they've wrestled and fought to arrive at that answer, how much more will they be able to depend on that wisdom years down the road? The final thing that we're talking about in terms of becoming is this value, authentic love. The way we define authentic love at Watermark is service, radical service. And, and, and Bucky read this passage about the, the, the Acts community, the first spiritual family, the first Christian family. And it says that they shared. My goodness, do we have a seminar on sharing happening at our house right now. If you'd like to see how to fail at sharing, you can come over and we would like to show you. 65 to 75% of the battles in our home is about sharing right? Such a challenge. And yet, if you can get your kids to see, by the way, I want to say one thing, and this is my last word, I'm passing it off to all of these amazing people. At the earliest age, your kids are never too young to start. Your kids can serve in the house. They can go and pick up a toy as a two and a half year old, three year old, and they can go put it in the basket. And you start them young and watch what happens. Riley, Kathleen, I know you guys have a lot of years experience in this. Tell, tell everyone what authentic love has looked like in the home for you guys. Well, um, once again, it starts by being an example. And Becky and I have always tried to keep our marriage our priority and model for our girls the importance of serving your spouse. We also took our children to a church that had a huge heart for service. We would go to church service first. We'd go to the first church service, and then our girls would stay the second service and serve in the children's ministry. And Regan, as only a five-year-old, was so adamant that she wanted to serve alongside her sisters that we had to get special permission from the church that she could um, work in the nursery and hold the babies. Um, During VBS, they would get the kids involved in doing projects, raise money for global missions. We also got involved on Minnie Street, which was a very poor neighborhood in Santa Ana. Then in the teen years, the authenticity of our values got tested. Again, when Riley felt called to go all by herself and serve the orphaned children of Uganda for a number of months, we had to put her on a plane. At first, as per our usual, we were seized with fear and didn't want to give her permission to go. But we quickly were convicted when we realized that Riley was just wanting to do what we had taught her, to love the poor and the broken as Jesus loved them. Ultimately, we said yes, and again, Riley's faith grew and was strengthened. Little did we know that God was preparing Riley to marry a pastor and raise seven children, of which three are fost adopted and would have had little hope without Riley and Ben's servant hearts.
Thanks, Mom. Um, and I will also say that my parents, I remember growing up, and they would regularly uh, kiss each other and love each other all over our home, and our sisters would always be like, ew, Mom, that's so gross. But um, <laughs> I do uh, really value the example that their marriage has taught Ben and I, and I think our marriage is stronger because of the example that they have set for us, so I'm very grateful for that. Um, in our home, having such a large family and so many kiddos, uh, it's been a easy place to uh, discuss service because there's always something to do. There's always dishes, there's always laundry, something always needs to get done. So um, we have many opportunities to have our kids serve each other. And Ben uh, started a saying in our home, nine serves nine, um, because our kids weren't doing a great job at serving each other. But uh, that's become our motto, nine serves nine, we all serve each other. Um, but I still have to encourage our children to look outside themselves regularly. And this is not an easy thing. Our kids right now have uh, a thing that they do to their grandparents. So at work, first, when they see them, they always say, hey, do you have any gum? It's never like, hey, how are you? It's just like, gum, please. So um, that's something we're working on, like, hi, how are you? And then you can ask for gum. So we're constantly battling, um, yeah, self in this. Also, I love that our church serves serves the homeless community in Costa Mesa, and I encourage Ben, whenever possible, to take a couple of the older kids with him to the homeless ministry, because I love the idea that our kids could grow up without a fear of our homeless population and learn to serve others that don't always um, look like themselves. Yeah, just a quick affirmation, and then Bucky, you bring it home for us, but uh, what I love about what Kathleen said there, um, if you want a picture for success... If that is part of your measurement of parents, you want to know how you're doing. Your kid comes to you right about the time they're leaving the house and they say, hey, I want to go on mission. I want to go serve in Africa. Or I want to go serve in my backyard here in Costa Mesa, wherever it is, by the way. It's not just missionaries that are on mission. Your kids, whatever their vocational calling is, will be on mission. But if they ask those types of questions, those are the types of things that they're so radically following Jesus that it now scares you. My goodness, there's a party going on in heaven for the way that you've led your kids. Okay, And that is, again, the end all be all. It is not about the achievement. It's not about those accumulation goals. Those things will fade at the end of time. But there are certain treasures and certain investments that go on forever and ever and ever. And that's what I know what we want to be about in our house. And they're still a little young. They are bent towards themselves. And so how do you teach an other's first value in the home? That's a huge part of becoming Bucky is to, at the earliest age, churn, churn our, our, our next generation onto others first, right? Yes, amen, amen. Thanks for these words, Ben and Riley and Kathleen. And uh, it's been an amazing, encouraging time to be with you guys and a little bit of our family, what we've gone through, what we've learned, hopefully will help your family as you try to grow and parent your children. Uh, there's a great resource that I've used in my parenting, and uh, just put it out there for you in case you want to learn more about what does it mean to spiritually parent my children. This is a book by Michelle Anthony, uh, who was on staff at Meredith when I was there years ago. Great lady, Rock Harbor lady, written a lot of books, but her book on spiritual parenting is a wonderful book for a mom or a dad talk, trying to understand what does it mean to parent my kids in a spiritual way. Also, if you're a young family and you want support, Ben and I are always open for God conversations and prayer. We have a whole church here full of spiritual parents, mentors, that would love to come alongside you. Maybe it's your marriage, maybe it's your family, maybe they're questions. We have a lot of people that would love to hang out with you and share their life with you. We do life regularly in small groups here in our church. Uh, there's women's groups on Tuesdays that you heard about. 
There's a bunch of men's groups happening, uh, family groups happening uh, during the nights of the week. If you would like to get involved in a deeper community where you can wrestle with and talk about and encourage in these things, a small group is really, really powerful. I guess the message here this morning is don't parent alone. You don't have to be alone in your parenting. There's a whole family, a church. There's great churches in Orange County. Find a church, find a place where you can be nurtured and loved and grown up in the Lord. We all need a family. And for those of you who are out here that are mature Christians, your parenting isn't done when your natural children leave the home, right? You continue to parent them all the days of their life. There is a church that needs your spiritual parenting. There are kids every week. Moms are exhausted. We need kid, men and women in children's ministry that will give moms and dads a break and love their kids. We need all of you involved to be as spiritual parents and partner together for the next generation. So thanks for coming. We want to end our service just by praying over the women in our church. You guys are awesome. These women, all of you women as men, we can say that. You're a blessing to us. If it was a world full of men, this would be a boring and really not a great place. But women, man, you light up our lives. And so we want to pray for the women in our church. So if you're a woman here, the worship band's going to come up. We'd ask for all the women in our church to stand. Ben and I want to pray a blessing over you here this morning. Just stand up, gals. Give them a hand. Thank, thank you, women, for all that you do. And we're going to extend a hand of blessing. Maybe you guys as a church might extend a hand of blessing. And maybe you have a mom or a family around. Just extend a hand of blessing on mom or a a woman, a sister, anybody in the church, let's extend hands of blessing around the women in our church and let us pray over you today. I'm going to start and then Ben's going to close. Father, thank you for the women in our church. And I want to just, first of all, just pray into those women here that are struggling here today. Father, it may be hard for them to parent. There may be single moms in this room, and I know some of them that are parenting alone. Father, would you bring your family around them to bless them and help them so that they would not feel alone? Would you put your spirit and your word in them so they might be encouraged by your promises? I also pray for the women here who are grieving the loss of a bad relationship with their mom. The relationship is broken and there's distance and there's pain. Would you bring healing and hope to the women that are struggling with their mom here this morning? Would you bring them into a spiritual family that they can have mentors and women that would nurture and love them and help them heal from those wounds? Father, there's some women whose arms are aching here this morning because they can't fill them with a child. They have a wayward son or a daughter. They are unable to have a child because through natural means it's not possible. Lord, I pray for those empty arms that you would fill them with grace and healing and love, that you would be the God who is with them as they process this pain, that you bring your family around them. We pray for healing and hope in all the women who are struggling here today through the power of your spirit. In your precious name, Jesus. Lord, I just thank you so much for every single woman standing. Each one of them has been uh, beautifully and wonderfully and fearfully made. They've been made in your image, God. They've been commissioned and called. That means they've been sent here for a purpose, to do only what they can do, Lord. And, And they are forgiven and freed. This is a blessing. This is an affirmation over every single woman standing. Regardless of their family composition, regardless of of where they've been, Lord, uh, you are the commander of where they're going. So I pray that this day they would be so encouraged, so honored, so filled up with the gift of your spirit that they could be empowered and enabled to go through whatever you have next for them, God. I am so thankful. It is so uh, apropos that we sing songs of worship and praise now because I am the result, the benefit of women like them who have served and given their lives 
So I just bless them by your name, which there is no other name under heaven of equal value. Bless them in Jesus' name. We appreciate all your women here this morning. And as we end in worship, the children of our church have a special gift for you. We hope you feel God's love, his grace in your life today. Let's all stand and close in worship as the children pass out their gifts. We hope that this message has challenged and encouraged you. If you need prayer, would like to join a small group community, or are interested in partnering with our work throughout Costa Mesa and Orange County, please go to watermarkoc.com. We would love to start a conversation.